Hi there. I'm Michael Marvash, and this is The Dead Man's Forest, a weekly conversation about the wisdom and knowledge that each of us has based on our unique life experiences. This week's episode is going to be a little different. I didn't release an episode last week because I was, well, first of all, because my car broke down, and second of all, because I had a conversation scheduled with John Polstra, a new friend of mine who I met at a conference this summer. So today, instead of going up to the forest to record a mostly unfiltered conversation with you, I have been sitting at home re-listening to the conversation between John and me. And I would like to share with you some of his wisdom and knowledge that he's gained over the course of his life. A few words of introduction. John is a coach who helps his clients take ownership of their own life, take, take sole responsibility for the paths that their lives take. And his website, johnpolstra.com, that's spelled J-O-H-N-P-O-E-L-S-T-R-A, has his story and his blog and his podcast where he has conversations with, with different people, both whom he has helped and who have helped him and others to gain this sort of clarity in their life. John and I met, as I said, at a conference this summer, and we connected over the fact that he had recently taken a trip to the Redwoods, and I was, at that point, going to be taking a trip to the Redwoods soon. So our conversation last week revolved first around our shared experiences in that ancient forest. I'm going to drop you into the middle of our conversation about a section of the Redwoods forest called Stout Grove, which is just across a small river from Jedediah Smith State Park. You may occasionally hear some construction noise in the background of my audio. As I mentioned, my car had broken down, so while it was in the shop being worked on, I just walked down to the Greenbelt Path, which runs along the Boise River, and in between the path and the river is a, a small section of forest, and it was the best that I could do, the closest that I could get to nature, but not far enough away to avoid the construction sounds. Yeah, and that was my experience, and we, you know, I think we spent half an hour there, and I wish that I would have gone back multiple times like, like you had, um, but it was kind of one of the last things that we did while we were there. So I don't know, like what, what was your experience like? No, I, well, I love that. I love the word that one word I did want to call out that you mentioned was awe. Uh, like awe. And then yes, the, that it's kind of beyond us, which was, yeah, that, that was the sense I had was the sense of, yeah, I don't know. There, it, I guess the best way I could describe it is it felt like there was something beyond me, but it felt like there was a, and I'm not very woo-woo, but it felt like there was like a spiritual force there. It felt like there was something else was going on there than just me and trees and sun and 
air. There was something going, something else going on, and I don't normally no. have that sensation, but I had that sensation there. Something else. Okay, that's a, that's a, hmm, that's an interesting way of putting it. Can you try and feel your way through that a little more? Like, what is that? What was the shape of it? It felt like there was a presence. Like a presence okay. or a... It was something that I couldn't... Like, it was something that I couldn't see. And it was something that I couldn't explain. But I could feel it. Like, I could feel something... It's kind of, I guess maybe a best example would be, it's kind of like when you're home alone. Or I'm sorry, it's like when you come home and someone else is home and they're in the house somewhere. And you may know that they're there or they're not, but you just kind of sense that someone is here. Okay. It was that kind of sensation. But it yeah. seemed weird to me because it's like, well, I'm just, just, <laughs> I'm just amongst these big trees in this forest, but... I'm feeling something like this, and I don't normally feel things like this. Right. I hadn't thought about it exactly that way, like there's someone else in the room. Um, I think the way that I would describe that feeling, and it's similar to the feeling that I had when I was in the desert, is that we spend most of our days looking at the world around us from our own perspective and through our own eyes. And when we find ourselves in an environment where we cannot help but see that we're just this tiny little thing, you know, whether that be on the side of a mountain in Death Valley or standing next to these massive trees in Stout Grove, we we're almost able to like step outside of ourselves and see I'm not the center of this like I feel like I am most of the time. I'm just one piece of this way bigger thing. And so maybe it's like feeling that bigger thing, like like sensing it almost, almost being able to take the perspective of what is one of these trees experiences like, or, you know, what's this mountains experience like? insofar as those things can have an experience. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) After talking about our experiences in the Redwoods, the conversation moved on to my experience in the desert. John was curious about that. I'm going to leave a lot of that out of this episode since I have had plenty of opportunity to speak on that topic to you. But if you're curious to hear about it, you can listen to John's edit of our conversation over on his website, johnpolstra.com. But anyway, from the conversation about the vision fast in the desert came a couple interesting topics that John had some perspective on. Say more about your experience in the desert in terms of, like, so four days by yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not no instruction, certainly. Three days of preparation. And and the biggest part of it, perhaps, is 
creating uh, an intention statement that you take with you when you cross over into the thresholds. And the statement is always what you are committing to yourself and to the group to be when you come back. Whoa, that's powerful. So you are stating not this is what I want to become, but (laughs) the thing that I want to become, I already am. Yes, yes. And then you cross the threshold, you kind of go into that spirit realm and you uh, die to the person that you were. And when you return, you are reborn as the person that you have committed to be. Which, you know, even though it may be a, a metaphorical or a spiritual death and rebirth, it's still a very powerfully emotional experience. When I see that in my work, which is the most powerful stuff happens when either me or the people that I'm working with commit. And we can do all this dancing around of like, well, I don't know, or I'll know it when I see it, or uh, I just need to be more courageous. But it's like, no, when you make that commitment, that's when everything, I want to say that's when everything starts to change, but like that's that's kind of the genesis of, okay, things are going to be different. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know the exact steps. I might have a process, but there's a sense of clarity that comes when you commit, even if you don't really know. That's the other thing I guess I find too is a lot of like, well, you want to make this change. How would you do it? I don't know. Well, what if you just committed to the change? And when you commit to the change, suddenly you know not all the steps, but you kind of know the next one. I liked what you were saying about story. I recently read a book by Steve Chandler called The Story of You. And I mentioned this a few times in some other episodes, I think, as well. But it's this whole idea of what are we telling ourselves, either about yeah. ourselves or about right. our circumstances. So the story I tell myself is that I have addictive behaviors and I'm not capable of stopping. Well, yeah. if if you really want to lean into that story, it's not yeah. going to serve you. <laughs> If if your goal is to stop whatever that addictive behavior is, hanging on to that story is not going to help you. And I'm immediately thinking of some people that I know from recovery that would probably disagree with that. But I guess it's just kind of this overall essence of, uh, or maybe a better example is, I'm not a smart person. I'm a slow learner. That might be true in some circumstances, but if you get really attached to this notion that you're slow, you're never going to be sure. fast. <laughs> So it's this idea of like, what's a different story you could tell yourself? Yeah, and it gets hard in some in some ways because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. We could we could go down a, a very deep rabbit hole here about like what's the difference between the things that we are in control of and the things that we aren't in control of about ourselves. How can you tell the difference between those two things? And I'm not an expert. I don't know any of those things. I just know what I've experienced. Uh huh. Um, which is that. The first step in, in changing something in your life is, like you said, is, is making the commitment to be someone different and to accept the fact that the person that you were has to die so that the person who you are becoming can be born. And that is scary and emotional and difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that ceremony is meant to help us get through. And from there, I decided to ask John directly about the main idea of Dead Man's Forest. 
and what he thought about it. I have some questions for you Hit that me. I want to ask at some point. So, you know, the, the, the idea of Dead Man's Forest is that each of us have unique wisdom and knowledge that has that is born of the experiences that we've had, which are different than the experiences that everyone else has had. And one of the struggles that I've been working through is, you know, what is that for me? And so I'm going to put to you, I'm just going to ask you that question, John, and like let you figure out <laughs> how to answer it. Like, what would you say are a few of the biggest lessons that you've learned up to this point in your life? And how did you, how did you learn them? Do I love that? So some of this, so I mentioned Steve Chandler wrote this book, The Story of You. He has a program that I'm participating in that relates to building a coaching business, um, building, nurturing clients and, and bringing them in. He has this whole belief, and I this really resonates with me, that the people that struggle the most have the most to teach as opposed to someone that naturally learns something. And so, like, I guess the example, he uses a lot of some sports analogies where, you know, the person that's just a, the baseball player that's just a natural hitter is going to yeah. have a much more difficult time teaching someone else how to be an amazing hitter compared to the person that has struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and finally figured out the mechanics of being a great hitter. They're probably okay. going to be able to teach better. So <laughs> I'm almost 50 and I still <laughs> like, I'm just feel like I'm still, you know, 25 or 30 still trying to figure out my life. So I would say that I've kind of been on a lifelong quest to kind of figure out like, what am I good at? What do I want to do? What's satisfying to me in life? In that process, one of the big things I had to grapple with was Christianity. Mm -hmm. uh, I come from a very, um, a family that's very steeped in it. And that was a very big part of my growing up. It was sort of part of my identity. And yet, it was a part that never totally stuck in a way that I could make sense for, for me. And so I would say that's kind of forced me to go through the whole process of, of figuring out who I am and how I look at things and how does the world make sense to me and how do I make sense of the world and how do I decide certain things and how do I make certain choices and how do I make commitments? Do I make commitments uh -huh. based on what my subculture says or do I make choices based on who's going to smile or frown or be like, oh, I don't know where you're going to end up if you believe that or don't do this. So I really feel like just that, that grappling and that being learning to live with the different tensions, um, figure things out. I have a lot of compassion and empathy for that process because I've spent a lot of time in it. I don't know that yeah. I'm ever going to be done with it. I would say I've got a lot more clarity now than I had before. And yet I still feel like I have a long way to go. And then, you know, I can have the negative voices or critic in the back of my head saying, come on, man, you should have this figured out by now. Yeah. And learning to just say, well, I, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best not to listen to that voice because it doesn't serve me. 
even if it's true, <laughs> well, but, like now what? You know, you should have figured this out. Okay, well, let's really let's really live into that. That doesn't take me anywhere. It doesn't serve me. That's what I would say. So I feel like I've kind of covered a lot of different places of it. But feel free to refocus me or dig a little deeper in one of those areas. Yeah, it sounds like an acceptance of and a recommitment to the struggle to learn and to grow has been a big part of it for you. Yeah, and to the uniqueness of me. Like, this is me. Yeah. Like, full stop. Not like, right. this is me and there's something wrong with me that I didn't hear Jesus talk to me today or I don't feel like God has led me to do something. There's, I tried all this stuff and it didn't work. So, yeah. <laughs> does that mean it's not true? No, I'm not saying that, but it's, in this moment, it's not true for me. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong or broken with me. It just means that this is where I'm at. And how can I remain open? How can I continue to explore? How can I be aware of my biases and my wounds and, yeah, the things that get in my way? So it sounds like for you it starts with um, accepting who you are now so that you can you can focus on what was it that you said on learning the things that you want to learn. I don't think that's exactly what you said. Yeah. I don't, it's maybe it's just a, I guess what I really enjoy my work with the people that I do coaching with is, is really leaning in and helping them lean in to really accept them for who they like, accept them as they are. And, and like one of the really core tenets of my coaching training is this notion that, that everyone is creative, they're resourceful, and they're whole. My background would say, well, you can't be whole because we're all sinful. We're all broken. Right. So right. you can't really trust yourself because, I mean, that part of you is broken, which that could be a whole other conversation. <laughs> but hold it. But like to your whole thing about, you know, is everyone always 100% the thing they're committed to? No. Right. Are we yeah. always like 100% resourceful? No. Are we always 100% creative? No. Are we always 100% whole? No. But if we hold that mindset towards ourselves and towards others, what's possible? Yeah. So what is the, for you, what motivates you? You know, what, what I think the question, the question I have is you, you talked about that struggle away from Christianity specifically maybe as an example of struggling towards your ability to accept yourself what was the motivation for that was there a was there an experience or a just kind of a general um, emotional pain that you had or what well I was in a relationship that was headed in a certain direction that I realized that was very involved in Christianity. And I realized that I couldn't fully embrace it in the same way yeah. that this other person did. And I was like, okay, this is telling me something. So I ended the relationship. And then I, I had been, I was about five years into my career and there's this place called Labrie fellowship in Switzerland. 
They also have branches in Massachusetts and a few other places in the world. And their whole, it's a Christian organization, but their whole notion is honest answers to honest questions. It's it's a very open place. They They have perspectives and they take stands on certain things, but it's not, it wasn't like your typical like the evangelical subculture that I grew up in, which was like, you need to believe this or you're hosed. <laughs> you, you have to do these things or you're going to be in big trouble. It was, it was a much more, you know, where are you coming from? What are you thinking? Where, where, do, how do you put this together? So that, I think that's kind of where that was, I guess that was part of the awakening of like, wait a minute. If, if I commit to this course of my life, this is going to take me in a certain direction. And it's, it doesn't totally resonate with me in a way that I think is gonna that I'm gonna be able to like embrace long term. And then where would that leave me? Okay, this doesn't seem like a good idea. And so that, I think that kind of sent me on the path of okay, well, let me figure out what I do believe. Let me do I hang on to this? Do I throw it all away? Do I only keep part of it? And yeah, I, I'm still on that path. But I think yeah. I've also come to a place of not being so worried about figuring it out tomorrow. And so I think that has also helped inform my work around coaching, which is helping people figure out what they want. Like, who are they? What do they want to do? Where they're not, in other words, it was the same, I guess it was, I was dissatisfied with my beliefs and with this thing that was supposed to be amazing and was supposed to work in wonderful ways that I didn't feel like was working that way for me. So in the same way, people with their lives are like, you know, I want to be more satisfied. I want this to work. I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I want to feel like I'm contributing. So I guess in the same, same way, I enjoy really going deep with people and helping to figure those things out. Yeah, awesome. Because it sounds like, hey, I was dissatisfied in my life, and then I wrestled with these things, and now when I compare where I'm at to, to where I was, I'm using the word I, but I'm talking about you, so that's weird. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um but but you know now it sounds like you're a lot more satisfied. Yes, and I would also say that it's not perfect either. Like there are different um, gradations or degrees. You can be satisfied with imperfection. Yes, well put, well put. And on that note, maybe that makes for a good place to end here—an imperfect, imprecise ending, but in right. a way that we should probably wrap up. At this point, John asked me a question I hadn't anticipated, and I realized that I may not have shared the answer with you, and so I'm going to leave it in here just in case you get something out of the experiences that I had with my Vision Fest ceremony. The last question I would have for you, and you could have a last question for me if you like, is if someone was interested in doing an experience like you did, how would they go about finding it? And I'm not asking you to promote the one that you did. If you want to, you can. But is there like a general place that people would look to have an experience like this? Uh, the the organization that I did my vision fast with is called the School of Lost Borders. Um, and you can easily find them on Google. Uh, and they are a f fantastic group of people. You know, it's not a big organization. They probably less than a dozen people work for them, but um, the guides that went with us and the emotional wisdom that they brought was phenomenal. I, I could not recommend them more highly. You know, if, if you 
can spare two weeks of your life to do some deep soul searching, that I think is a great way to do it. So there you have it, John's lessons so far in his life about self-acceptance and satisfaction and about how to create change, which comes, he has found, from committing to doing something even when you might not know how to accomplish it. As always, thanks for being here. Thanks for belonging. And if you have any thoughts, questions, or would like to have a conversation with me on Dead Man's Forest, please stop by my website, deadmansforest.org, and fill out the contact form at the bottom. And if you'd like to hear more of John Polstra, stop by his website, John Polstra, J-O-H-N-P-O-E-L-S-T-R-A.com. You can tell him I sent you. Thanks again. Bye-bye.